What is your substance? Whereof are you made that millions of strange shadows on you tend? Since everyone hath every one one shade, and you but one can every shadow lend. Describe Adonis, and the counterfeit is poorly imitated after you. On heaven's cheek all art of beauty set, and you in Grecian tires are painted new. Speak of the spring and foison of the year, the one doth shadow of your beauty show, the other as your bounty doth appear, and you in every blessed shape we know. In all external grace you have some part, but you like none, none you for constant heart. Welcome to Outside of a Dog's Sonnet Fortnight, where we discuss why Shakespeare's sonnets are actually really good. Welcome back to our discussion of our favorite Shakespeare sonnets. And finally, after three of my choices, we get to one of yours, Christian. Let me just ask you, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I had to read this one several times before I could make any rhyme or reason, even though it was already rhymed. Why did you choose this one? What was it that caught your eye about it? Maybe it is that it already starts with a question, so the author was just as confused as you are. This I really like because it is another poem that deals with the kind of ability or inability of art, of a poem, to kind of grasp the object of affection. In this case, the sonnet describes the fair youth as so incredibly complex that every other association with beauty is not enough to describe him because they are basically just one-sided. They only offer one perspective on beauty. And the fair youth is all of them. This I really love because it shows us that the love or the affection that the author has here is really delving into the complexity of the whole thing. That this is not following the trite rules of the sonnet or the overcome comparisons with antique classical sets of beauty, of love and so on. No, because the object of affection is alive. And being alive means having more than one thing that someone else can love. And this is what I really, really love about this poem, that it again plays with the expectations and manages to be at the same time subtle and powerful in this comparison. I think it's really amazing also how he breaks up this very strict form you mentioned, especially in the third and fourth line. Since everyone hath, everyone, one shade, and you but one can every shadow lend. He, he's stammering, he's babbling. And it's also interesting what kind of images he uses again. The sonnets are a great repository of imagery, metaphors, in a very intriguing way. And here he goes back to antiquity. But it's actually surprising, considering the Renaissance time that he wrote in, how little Shakespeare goes back to antiquity. Probably because, as Johnson said, he had little Latin and less Greek. But again, he compares the beloved to Adonis and Helen, a man and a woman. So again, we have this master-mistress thing going on. But as you said, even the comparison to the greatest things of antiquity can never be enough. The ambiguity here is partly a source of affection, but partly, again, a source of kind of despair. Because how can he describe this great thing if he cannot rely on his own words again. So I think one great development in these poems is this yeah, kind of growing sense of depression, maybe even a kind of disillusionment to a certain degree. And the shadows grow longer, you might say. We're going to move on now to the next section of themes that we find in the sonnets. And 
in the 16 numbers, things get really quite dark. So brace yourselves for tomorrow when we discuss Sonnet 64. Thank you very much for listening. For more information, visit outsideofadogcast.com.